the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is the best of investing on AM 1220 KDOW, the show that brings you valuable information about real estate, the financial markets, and other economic business of the day. Your host, Edward Brown, is a nationally recognized expert on money and investing who has appeared on CNN and has published numerous articles in national business magazines and newspapers. Now, your host for the best of investing. Edward Brown. Welcome. You're listening to The Best of Investing. I'm your host, Edward Brown, along with my co-host, welcoming back after a two-month sabbatical, yes, Mark indeed. Honf of Pacific <laughs> Private Money, the mystery man. He's back. Yes. And we, for those of you who know our show, it's like a couple of guys sitting around a bar having drinks without the drinks talking business with you, the audience listening in. And uh, our phone number is 888-912-1190. You're going to use that number to answer the trivia questions for a five-pack tanning certificate given away during the show and that certificate is not uh, sponsored by the radio station but by tan bella tanning salon with two locations in san francisco and one in marin uh mark what do you want to talk about today well uh welcome everyone to the best of investing radio show it's great to be back after a couple of months uh break and you know Edward, you and I started this show, we're almost at our seven-year anniversary, and so for the first six-plus years, I was pretty much, except for maybe a couple of exceptions, uh, you know, a co-host for every single That's show, right. every week, and, you know, the nature of, you know, my business, Pacific Private Money, and how it's grown and how it's scaled in the last couple of years, I'm going to get into a little bit of uh, talking about the the marketplace lending industry as as private lending and hard money is now called uh, marketplace lending. I'm going to talk a little bit about about some of the great um, uh, changes and important changes that uh, the audience really needs to know and understand, and is probably already a little bit, at least a little bit vaguely aware of of how um, you know crowdfunding has made a big imprint in not only mortgage lending but in real estate now. And I've got a great cover story from the San Francisco Business Times that we're going to get into. But but back to, you know, me personally, you know, it got to a point where, you know, I just I was really getting tired. I mean, it's a lot of work to prep for the show. And, sure. and you know, and when we do these shows, I, I, I try to give a lot of really good and actionable content and current content. And it just got to the point where uh, it was really starting to bump up against some of the other commitments that I was trying to make to help grow Pacific Private Money. I'm doing a lot more traveling. I'm doing a lot more speaking. I'm meeting with family offices and other capital resources as we look to grow our company. And so, you know, with your help, uh, we agreed that uh, I would take some some time off and we would give some of the other members of the team an opportunity yeah. to, to step up. Of yeah. course, they all like got frozen with fear when they first learned. <laughs> so no, not the radio, not with yeah. millions of listeners. Right. So you got to hear from Nam Fon, who is my director of marketing and business development at Pacific Private Money. And uh, he's been on the last, uh, well, several shows for the yeah. last six, eight weeks, uh, doing a great job. I've listened to to most of the uh, of those podcasts uh, 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 and 
wow, he just uh, he's really come up. He went from being extremely nervous and tentative <laughs> at the beginning to really get And that's kind of the way it goes. I was the sure. same way. When I first started doing radio, oh, my God, I was falling all over the place, stumbling, literally frozen mid-sentence, forgetting what I was talking about. I mean, when you go through all of that stuff, I mean, it's public speaking. And, uh, yeah. you know, the radio show for me has been a boon for my public speaking capabilities. Uh, I'm still nowhere near the, you know, the public speaker that I'd like to be. And I still, you know, revel in watching people, you know, go on and do a flawless 45 minute presentation. I I think I would, uh, uh, that would, that would be something I still, I think would be difficult with, but I'm, you know, I'm very comfortable now, you know, being off the cuff as you are. So you and I pretty much are able to really, really, really rattle on. But you know, and also the, the, what I think the audience hears, like when I say the audience, I mean like when you're doing a real public speaking mm-hmm. event, they see the realness of you. It doesn't if it, if everything is so polished, people don't. They trust. call that authenticity. Authenticity, I think. yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah, that's what I'm talking about. You know, about. and, and uh, um, I'd like to think that my authenticity feels and appears real, sounds real, and and I and I intend it to be. I'm not yeah, trying to yeah. put on a show. Yeah. I'm trying to show up. And share information in a transparent and authentic manner, and I, I think people have a good, pretty good radar when yes, people are yeah. when people are f- being forced when it's uh, not real authenticity. So, and I do. It's funny because I, I've written about authenticity as being uh, uh, like the new currency in business today. That it's mm. really important to be authentic and transparent in business. There's uh, especially when you're dealing with other people's money, which yeah. we do at Pacific Private Money. We deal with other folks private money we help them earn great yields on that money and of course we'll talk about that today because that's <laughs> what we talk about on the best of investing and it's interesting you know when seven years ago when we came up with the name the best of investing we started the show with we had we talked about stocks we talked about real estate we talked about mortgage investing uh-huh. and really the show as it's evolved over the years we kind of lost our stock guys after a while they they kind of you know i mean things change in things radio change, right yeah, people sure. get busy and and uh, you and i have stayed uh, fairly consistent with this but you know, and when I think about the best of investing, what I'm really thinking about and what we'll share with the audience today is the best in mortgage investing. And mm-hmm. I think mortgage investing is the best yeah, of investing today I, I agree. because notwithstanding what's happening in the stock market. And let's let's face it, if you didn't own any stocks and you decided in July two years ago, I'm going all in, you've seen an amazing return yeah. right i mean it's i think it's Can't like lose. it's like 20 up to over 20% yeah. or at least the indexes the major indexes are up over 20% uh, uh, since but if you own stocks in july of 2015 2 years ago exactly you were looking at a year over year return of zero at that time really? yeah. yeah i mean it, it's it's only been you know this run up 2016 was a good year and yeah. 2017 so far, so far and yeah. and you know there although you know if you read the periodicals there's a lot of uh, you know you know warning signs on the horizon you never but no one knows we 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 know that but uh, we'll talk about you know more of the the best of mortgage investing as we go along today all right plus you have a couple of very good articles I that you do, want to cover yes. too all right so uh, we're going to cut to our first commercial break and uh, the trivia theme is uh, just general trivia mm. all right what is the name uh, what, excuse me, what is the common name for clavicle? Okay, we're part of the body, all right, the clavicle. Uh, call 888-912-1190. If you're the first caller with the correct answer, you're going to win that free tanning certificate um, from Tan Belly. Clavicle, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's our question. Uh, we want to make a quick mention here also for um, 
laser tag of Santa Rosa. So for family fun and office get-together, nothing is more fun than uh, going playing laser tag at uh, laser tag of Santa Rosa. Check them out at lasertagofsantarosa.com. And don't touch that dial. The best of investing is going to be right back. For more information on this program, call 888-912-1190. That's 888-912-1190. Or visit bestofinvesting.com. Now, back to the best of investing with your host, Edward Brown. Welcome back to The Best of Investing. I'm Edward Brown, your host, along with my famous co-host, Mark Hahn of Pacific Private Money. <laughs> First trivia question was, what is the common name for clavicle? Is that shoulder? Uh, close. It's the collarbone. Oh, collarbone. And apparently that's the most uh, uh, broken bone, I understand. Which, you know, you think it'd be an arm or a leg or something like that. Hmm. Uh, quick mention here also for... Tahoe Lake Shore Lodge and Spa, which provides guests with an all Frank, all Frank, all lakefront hotel in South Lake Tahoe. Every room has a view of the lake and the mountains. Uh, guests can relax or play on over 500 feet of private beach. They have an outdoor heated pool. Hot tubs are also on the lakeside. Um, they also have a spa. Check them out at Lake Shore Lodge dot excuse me Tahoe Lake Shore Lodge dot com or call eight hundred four four eight forty five seventy seven. So Mark, we're welcoming you back after all of this time. Um, and I've got an exciting article go ahead. I want to share with uh, the radio audience today. And I want to talk about it, the basis of this article. I've actually got a couple of articles and, and it's really discussing disruption in the mortgage and real estate industry due to crowdfunding, due to the new um, existence of crowdfunding uh, and crowdfunding technology. Some of you have heard the term fintech. Uh, that refers to all the financial technology companies that have sprouted up since 2013. Uh, most of them, interestingly enough, based in San Francisco. Uh, there's also a term for uh, fintech lending companies. It's called marketplace lending. And that's a fancy term. Uh, actually, I like that term. We've been using it at Pacific Private Money to promote ourselves as regional marketplace lenders. And it replaced the term peer-to-peer -peer lending, which is, again, another technology term, fintech term, that meant you know peer-to-peer, person-to-person, or basically non-institutional uh, money sources to fund these various loans, not only real estate loans, but personal loans and business loans and leases, et cetera. So there's a whole new um, industry that has sprouted up since 2013 uh, called marketplace lending. Uh, and these fintech companies and other companies like Pacific Private Money, and, I'll, and I'm going to talk about how Pacific Private Money's you know, business model and universe has changed in reaction to what's happened since 2013. And why do I keep saying 2013? What happened in 2013? Well. President Obama in 2012 signed what was called back then the Jobs Act, Jumpstart Our Business, and I apologize, I forget what the S stands for, but it's not jobs in, hey, we're going to create jobs. It was actually known as the crowdfunding legislation. Huh, okay. So 2013, uh, uh, um, Congress passed the Jobs Act, pro more properly known as the, as the crowdfunding legislation, and it wasn't until like towards the end, like right around October of 2013, that they finally released all the rules. They were made public, and what it did was several things, but one of the biggest things was it allowed those who syndicate money and a syndication is typically when you collect when you collect or pool money together from private individuals okay. allow them to advertise and for 70 years before that you could not advertise 
a mortgage pool fund or a Reg D fund or a syndication. You could only promote it to people with whom you had a business relationship with. So this was one of the most key uh, uh, business legislations passed in decades was the this uh, crowdfunding legislation. And so it created an opportunity for what have now been hundreds of companies that imagine. have been formed all over the planet, with many of them based right here in San Francisco, that um, are using um, crowdfunding uh, uh, theories and or crowdfunding business models, I should uh, more properly, to pool money together to make loans. Now, many of these fintech companies are nationwide in nature. Um, and that's the one thing at Pacific Private Money we're resisting. We like being a regional marketplace lender, meaning we like lending primarily in Northern California or in within California, within the state of California as a whole. I, I still am uh, have a little trepidation about companies like your, and I'm just going to throw out some names, but there are literally hundreds of companies, but there's Lending Club, Patch of Land, Asset Avenue, uh, Share States, uh, Pier Street Lending. I mean, there's just, there's all kinds of uh, companies that have sprung up since 2013 to take advantage of the crowdfunding legislation, the loosening of the money raising uh, laws and regulations in order to really give the regular investor who didn't have access to these investments easy access to these investments, generally online, uh, which is where the fintech uh, comes in. And what's great about this is that now the masses have access to higher yields that normally were reserved for the wealthy few, kind of the country club, you know, oh, group yeah. of people who knew about this, you know, knew about how I you knew get, a guy who knew a guy, right? And, how, yeah. how you can get seven or eight or nine or even ten percent on your money? Well, yeah. that that sounds risky. Well, no, it's not if you know who to invest with, and and there are a lot of really smart people with really uh, uh, good business models that are paying out those kind of yields um, all the time. And so, so anyway, the first the first article I want to share um, is the cover story uh, from this week. San Francisco Business Times, and it's about disrupting homeownership. Now, there's the, the two major parts of real estate that um, fintech and companies who have been uh, who have been created in the marketplace thanks to the crowdfunding legislation since 2013. The two uh, main areas of real estate that they're attempting to disrupt are mortgage lending, and the other one is real estate transactions okay. themselves. One so far has been met with a pretty good measure of success, and that's the mortgage lending uh, industry. So okay. particularly alternative finance, those who um, pref who have trouble with bank financing or don't have the time to wait for a bank loan, the alternative finance, again, much like Pacific Private Money, we're considered alternative finance. Yeah. Um, uh, there's been a, a strong measure of success. A lot of companies are, have been extremely successful. It's now... Um, it's uh, it's it's projected to be twenty percent of the mortgage industry uh, really? alternative finance. Yeah, in the next wow. in the next five years, whereas previously it was just a blip. I mean, yeah. literally just less than one percent. And so it's mm. it's grown leaps and bounds since twenty thirteen. What hasn't grown so much is disrupting the homeownership market, the real estate purchase transactional market. And so this is what this article is about. And 
Now, you know, the San Francisco Business Times, it's a great publication, and it's very topical and timely, um, but it's also generally written from the perspective of the company that it's presenting, and so okay, sure. it's, it's often written with, uh, it's, it's very optimistic, and so okay. many of the companies that are profiled, you know, over the years in uh, the Business Times are no longer in business, but they were <laughs> awfully bullish when they got interviewed, sure. but uh, um, it starts by saying homes have been uh, bought and sold in much the same manner for decades. Fintechs think they can change all that. And of course, we're going to run out of time this segment. And we're going to bleed over to the next segment and, and go into more detail. But the first, uh, first paragraph starts out, a revolution in how Americans buy and sell homes is underway with Bay Area fintechs at the forefront. A multitude of startups are tackling virtually every stage in the process, aiming to make buying a home easier and a lot cheaper. We'll get into more of that in the next segment. Okay. That sounds uh, very exciting. Okay. Here's our second trivia question. What is the active ingredient in smelling salts? 888-912-1190. Be the first one to answer, and you'll win the uh, five-pack tanning certificate. Don't touch that dial. We're going to have some more information on the best of investing. For more information on this program, call 888-912-1190. That's 888-912-1190. Or visit bestofinvesting.com. Now, back to the best of investing with your host, Edward Brown. Welcome back to the best of investing. Again, I'm Edward Brown, your host, along with Mark Hunt of Pacific Private Money. Second trivia question was, what is the active ingredient in smelling salts? Uh, cyanide? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> you wake up and then you die. No, uh, ammonia. 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 And, um, I haven't had smelling salts in a while. Forget what they smell like. <laughs> <laughs> now, next week, we're going to have a uh, special uh, trivia contest. We're going to have a surprise secret prize. Ooh. Here is the question. Uh, first of all, let me give you the rules. you got to email edward at bestofinvesting.com, the answer. And uh, next week, we will announce it. Uh, first one with the correct one gets it, the prize. About 100 years ago, these were about one-seventh the size they are now. What are they? That's our question. All right. Now, Mark, going back to you. So we're talking about the disruption in the real estate and mortgage industry that's occurred over the, well, since 2013, thanks to the crowdfunding legislation that was passed by then-President Obama and the capital that's being raised, mostly private, from everything from just, you know, just individual capital investors, uh, also high net worth and ultra high net worth and family office and some small private equity companies, some hedge funds, but generally, you know, not institutional. You, you know, usually the institutional mm. is reserved for the, the banking industry. Yeah. And of course, the banking industry is looking at this with, with big concern. And, and, you know, there's a lot of talk about how there might be some consolidation and how some, you know, banks and other conventional lending companies might be buying up some of these fintechs to kind mm. of as a way to, you know, enter into that set of the marketplace that's actually growing because conventional mortgage loan origination is contracting right now. Interesting. The refi boom, which we had many of them over the last 10 years, okay. I mean, it just, we seem to have, with every new low in the interest rates, we yeah. have another refinance mm -hmm. boom. Well, that, for the most part, most of us believe, as I do, that that's over, that we're, well, so we're not going to... Rates can only go so low. Right. And they're not probably not going to go back to the threes uh, again in, in, in our generation. Uh, and so, the, the you know, Everyone who could refinance largely has, 
And so without the refi boom, uh, you know, and, and the regulations, uh, thanks to Dodd-Frank, four banks and conventional lenders have gotten much stronger and much more severe. So it's gotten harder and taken longer, takes longer now to get a bank loan. So this whole alternative finance uh, uh, market, market space has grown. Now, alternative financing is still regulated. It's not, you know, like hard money from 20 years ago, where if you could fog a mirror, you know, you can get a loan at 12% and 10 points. You know, that industry has largely gone away. The, the, the bad players and the loan sharks, for the most part, are no longer active in the marketplace because, you know, we are regulated. I mean, when I first started Pacific Private Money, we did not need to file many reports. There weren't a whole lot of laws around the loans. Mm -hmm. Now every loan we do, full disclosure, like a bank, um, ability to repay. I mean, we're we're regulated. We we file quarterly reports. But you can still work a lot faster than a bank. But, yes, that's the thing. We haven't internally. See, the banks internally have, have, have decided that they're going to qualify mortgages as a business model a lot more stringently and alternative finance companies like Pacific Private Money, like some of these fintech companies, are not required to do that. So as a business model, they're saying, look, we're going to be faster to market. We're not going to be as, as paper heavy and form heavy as these guys are. And we're going to we're going to make our decisions in a more holistic fashion, less on, you know, just putting you through the massive pain of months and months and months and, hey, I need more statements. I need more proof. I need yeah. more bank, you know, send me another bank statement, blah, blah, blah. And anybody who's done a home uh, finance recently, um, more than likely has felt that pain. You sure. and I have both talked oh, yeah. about it on the shows before. So anyway, cover story, disrupting homeownership. Um, so this particular article is, is, is saying that the status quo in housing is likely to be challenged over the next five years, uh, more over the next five years than at any point in the last 50. Um, fintech entrepreneurs uh, say that a confluence of events is spurring a wave of innovation. The rise of the smartphone, digi- the digitization of local listings of homes for sales, and the democratization of access to those listings. Because if you remember, it was really oh, hard. Yeah. You know, the multiple listing service was a closed book, yes. uh, closed-ended um, uh, <clears throat> method for uh, real estate. The real estate community, realtors and licensed agents were the only ones that had access to yeah. that. The private individual couldn't get that. And even until recently, it wasn't even easy to get that information on the internet. Now it's really Really easy. Yeah. So, but it is. Uh, it goes on to say it's too early to say which companies will actually get traction in the marketplace and reshape uh, the residential real estate business. Entrepreneurs are seeking to upend a system where laws and customs have evolved over decades to the advantage of the entrenched players. Now that's that's really true, and what that basically means is the real estate industry mm-hmm. has created a lot of practices and rules and regulations have been passed down to by the states uh, and the government as a result of lobbying efforts by the real estate and the realtor industries uh, and their 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 government lobbyists to you know to make sure that um, you know well number one I mean it's it's not it's not I'm not trying to imply that there's some evil intent here but you know Home transactions are complex. It's typically the biggest transaction yeah. any individual will ever make, disclosures. and so disclosures. Um, but I, I will admit, or I will say, in my opinion, that I do believe that some of the ways um, 
some of the regulations and some of the practices that are entrenched in the whole industry of buying and selling homes are such that they really do favor the realtors. They really favor the industry. And so there's a lot of resistance and a lot of regulatory hurdles that fintech companies are facing trying to disrupt home ownership. Um, and so, you know, you got several uh, fintech companies now they're, they're focusing on uh, residential real estate and um, many of them who formed these companies did so because they, they shared a, a, a common experience and that was they bought a home yeah. <laughs> and they, and they saw how incredibly archaic yeah. and form driven and slow and methodical that was. Now, maybe it should be. If you're putting $200,000 down to, and borrowing $800,000 to buy a million dollar house, yeah. it probably shouldn't be something you do in an app. Yeah, yeah. No, that's a, that's a good point. <laughs> However, you've got a whole generation of of Americans out there called millennials, yeah. right? They do everything on their smartphone. And many millennials are first-time buyers, and uh, the fintech services now are designed for them. And in fact, many of the fintech CEOs and, start, and startups, they are, they're millennials, millennials themselves, yeah. right? Yeah. And so... They say our clients are mobile first, if not mobile only. only yeah. So it's going to be interesting to see how this this plays out. Because I actually I, I'm I'm skeptical that they're really going to be able to disrupt it. What I think they're going to be able to do is they're going to be able to help yeah. people save money. Because at the end of the day, really, do you how much easier do you want to make it, or is it at the end of the day are they trying to get in on that six percent sales commission, or in the Bay Area, some, you know, it's more commonly five percent, whatever, whatever it is, five or six percent. That's still a lot of money on a million dollar house sure. for a debatable amount of work um, and skills. So, so that that's really where they're eyeballing. So many of these fintech companies are out there to help uh, represent buyers to to save them part of the buyer side uh, uh, of the commission, or for sellers to help them save some of the seller side of the commission. So, so you know, there's three ways, basically. Oh, I guess we're running out of time here. Again, just looking at the clock. But uh, I will. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to wrap up. So I'm gonna, uh, um, I'll wrap this up in the next segment. Okay, very good. And then also we have an email question that came in that uh, is wondering why you even started a fund instead, instead of just selling individual deeds of trust. They're asking so me to give away my secrets. Yes. All right. Okay. Stay <laughs> tuned. Good. All right. Here's our last trivia question. What fruit is packed with the most calories? All right. 888-912-1190. Don't touch that dial. We're going to be right back. For more information on this program, call 888-912-1190. That's 888-912-1190. Or visit bestofinvesting.com. Now, back to the Best of Investing with your host, Edward Brown. Welcome back to the Best of Investing. Edward Brown here along with Mark Hahn. What fruit is packed with the most calories? You know what? I need to know that because uh, (laughs) I I like to eat a lot of fruit, but I don't like uh, empty calories. Avocado. It's actually considered a fruit. Oh, but that's like really healthy. It's I know, like, but it's well, it's packed with everything these yeah, days. It is healthy, but it's packed with a lot of calories. Oh, cal- okay. Yeah, right, because it, it does have a lot of fat. it's a good kind of calories. Well, I don't know. Well, it's a good kind of fat, but it's still a lot of calories. All right. And I love my avocados. Me too. All right, uh, Mark. Go ahead and finish up. So I'm wrapping up with what we've been talking about so far in the show is basically the evolution of the fintech industry uh, looking to disrupt mortgage lending and homeownership. And the article I was talking about last segment was really talking about how many fintech companies are are having, uh, you know, they're they're attacking uh, 
homeownership in an effort to disrupt it. And I just want to wrap up because we got some other stuff we want to talk about here. And uh, the article in the San Francisco Business Times cover story uh, ends the article, three, three ways fintech could reshape residential real estate. First one being broker commissions under pressure. So it's that 5 and 6% commission. They're going to look to figure out ways to help save yep. buyers and sellers of homes uh, those commissions. Number two, greater mobility and more home sales. Yep. They argue that making it cheaper and easier to buy and sell homes could lead to more transactions. Well, That's very possible. maybe, although yep. I don't really know. I'm, again, I'm skeptical at how much easier they're going to be able to make home transactions. It's just, it's a very complicated transaction. I think there's going to be a lot, a lot of disclosures. I think they'll be more more successful in saving brokerage commissions, but I don't know that yeah. they're, I don't know yet, and maybe, again, it's a, lot, a lot's going to happen in the coming years, and technology is advancing at an amazing rate, but, uh, you know, the, it's too soon to tell how much, you know, greater uh, volume they're well, going to create. Well, you may get these brokers to cut their commission if the, all the other work is done for them, yeah. and then they just are paper pushers. Right. You know? And last, the third, number three, uh, in ways they think they'll reshape the residential real estate industry is that this would result, more transactions result in more remodeling, more homeownership turnover will likely bring increased demand for remodeling services. And of course, then that's the trickle down theory in that, which is kind of what we experienced uh, in the um, in the foreclosure market. The, all those foreclosures uh, uh, created a lot of opportunities for real estate investors to come in. Oh, the yeah. construction industry th- industry thrived yeah. labor and materials and stuff a, a lot of homes were were remodeled throughout uh, throughout the United States and you know tons of them here in in the Bay Area which Pacific private money funded a tremendous number of flips several yeah. hundred uh, fix and flip loans uh, back in you know 10 11 and 12 so okay so and let's move on to that stuff you we're talking about it's very good but I want to focus in a little bit on more on, on Pacific private money because an email comes in and says why did Pacific private money start a fund instead of just selling individual deeds of trust so most people or most real estate brokers mortgage brokers who get into the private lending industry quickly discover um, how challenging it can be to take a loan application in one that they know makes sense and then turn around and find investors to fund that loan generally when there's a time crunch because our industry tends to serve borrowers who um, can't get the money from the bank fast enough. They may also not be bank financeable. Sometimes they have challenged credit. But a lot of what we do in the financing, uh, uh, in, in private money financing, is fund people who are, are on a time crunch. It's got to close in a couple of weeks. And so um, it is, it's like herding cats trying to sell those individual notes and get funding commitments from private individuals. So most brokers over time start to, you know, you go to industry events and you start hearing people, well, I have a fund, you know, and I've got investors in my fund and I'm, you know, I get to make the decisions. I'm the fund manager. I, when a loan comes in and I like the loan, I get to make the decision. Boom. And the, in the fund, we just wire the money to escrow and boom, it closes, you know, easier said than done, of course, because it's not cheap to put a fund together. And also you have to have a certain amount of credibility and experience to be able to convince people to invest money in your fund. So after Pacific private money had been in existence for roughly five years, um, I decided to, we had enough capitalization. I had saved up enough money because it cost about a hundred grand to start a fund. Uh, I decided to take that plunge and do the fund. Uh, and, and what I've learned about fund investors versus individual note investors, and this was something I didn't know when I started, is it's usually two different types of investors. So we now serve 
investors who are passive and have never invested in an individual note and wouldn't really know how to compete or decide on which individual note to buy. We give them the opportunity to invest in a pooled fund of capital that is managed by us and that we look at all of the loans that come through the doors at Pacific Private Money and when there's money, when there's liquid capital in the fund, either through a new investor that came in or from a loan that we've already done and paid and gets paid off, we get first look at all the deal flow that comes in the door. And it's great for the passive investor. It allows them to uh, to earn high yields, much like a note investor, not quite as high as a note investor, but it's very passive and they can look at various safety and security features that a fund offers. And there's a lot more detail about why to invest in a fund, but I do want to, before I get into that, uh, tr- go over to talk again about individual note investors. Many of my individual note investors, when I launched the fund, politely declined to invest in the fund. Now, why would that be? At first, I, you know, took it personally, and it was like, well, you know, haven't I, like, done everything I said I was going to do? I've never lost money on a loan, and you've gotten these great returns. Why wouldn't you invest in my fund? And, And they would say, it's not you, Mark. It's just that I... You know, I'm good at this. I'm, I've been investing in notes for many years. Many of these investors were experienced real estate investors, or you know, retired you know mortgage brokers or or, or um, real estate uh, uh, professionals, and they liked investing in the individual note. They were good at it. They could make fast decisions. They liked managing. They liked kicking the tires, so to speak. And so, mm-hmm. so active note investors tend to prefer individual notes, but the greater percentage of the public are not active note investors. Many of them have no idea that you can actually you know, invest in a mortgage or a deed of trust, as they call it in California. Um, and so for them, if they want to get 7 to 8% on their money, you know, good luck for them trying to compete with these you know, crafty, experienced, <laughs> really fast decisioning note investors. Uh, and in fact, they can't compete with them. They just, you know, I've, I've, uh, I've talked with many, many people about this. And if you've never invested in a note before, um, an individual note before, you're probably going to have a hard time getting your hands on a quality note. You're, you really ought to be looking at the mortgage pool fund option. And the mortgage pool fund also provides a lot of additional benefits that you don't get in an individual. Well, note. that's one of the things I was going to uh, quote challenge you on is you, you talked about the rate of return on individual notes being higher. However, if a loan gets paid off and you're sitting in cash, your rate of return is not so good while it's in cash. And so over a year period, you may actually be better off in the fund. So I know for a fact that most of my note investors don't make on average in a year more than what I pay my fund investors. The reason is, is because most of the loans, at least through Pacific private money, most of the loans we make uh, are one-year loans, and sometimes they get the, you know they pay off shorter. Sometimes they'll pay off in in three, four, six months, mm-hmm. and you get your money back. You're back in cash. So if you look at a, so if an individual note investor looks at, at his whole portfolio and his portfolio is averaging, uh, or the notes that he invests in average paying him nine percent, let's just say for okay. argument's sake, um, if he's in cash for. 30 to 45 days. I mean, he's going to, he's going to be in cash certain amount during the year. If sure. you do all of the math and figure out what your weighted average 
true rate of return is, more often than not, it's going to be in the sevens or the low eights. I mean, yeah. that's just that's just the nature and of it. With, I mean, and with you the, know this personally because yeah. we just talked about this when I walked in. You just yeah. said, hey, one of the notes, Mark, that I invested with you, I just got a payoff demand. It came in 30 days after we funded. Exactly, now, yeah. we don't know that that's a real payoff <laughs> demand. Sometimes we get these payoff demands, and it just means that they actually have a bank loan application, but it might be another 45 or 60 days. Sure, but sure. it's And it's unusual that to, for a loan to pay off that quickly, but yeah. guess what? It does, it does happen, happen and yeah. you can't say no. You have to take yeah, your exactly. money back. So, well, but also with the fund, you get um, diversification because you're in hundreds of loans. Right. Or, you know, however the fund, and and in, you know, with the fund, your money is working 100% of the time. You can add money to it. I mean, there's a number of uh, uh, benefits. Before we cut to break, give out your information. So PacificPrivateMoney.com, best way to reach us, PacificPrivateMoney.com or 415-883-2150. Great. Don't touch that dial. The best of investing will be right back. For more information on this program, call 888-912-1190. That's 888-912-1190. Or visit bestofinvesting.com. Now, back to the Best of Investing with your host, Edward Brown. Welcome back to the Best of Investing. Last time for today, I'm Edward Brown, your host, along with Mark Hoff of Pacific Private Money. Mark, why don't you wrap up about the difference between uh, note investing and the mortgage pool fund? So when you invest in an individual note, your name is mostly most of the time it's on the note um, that's how most uh, um, brokers originate individual notes for private investors your name or maybe you're part of a group uh, some trustees are fractionalized so maybe a million dollar loan might be fractionalized between four people who each put in 250,000 or some aggregate amount of a, of a million dollars uh, you are um, generally uh, pay a servicing spread to who is ever servicing the note and you get the, whatever the note rate is minus the servicing spread so at Pacific we typically offer let's say uh, the note rates nine and a half percent we offer our individual investors in that note, 9%. We typically take take 50 basis points or half a percent for a servicing spread. And um, the benefits of that note are, you know, if that guy doesn't pay, you can foreclose on that real estate. You have direct collateral securing your investment in that note. Now, a mortgage pool fund, um, you don't have direct collateral. However, the only assets of a, of a, uh, a typically run mortgage pool fund are cash and real estate secured notes. So you're diversified over, your risk is diversified over all of the loans in the fund. So if one loan goes bad, it won't necessarily have a significant hit on the yield that you receive. Well, it's like if I own shares in a Vanguard mutual fund, my name is not on IBM and right. Berkshire Hathaway or whatever. Um, I own shares of the fund, and the, the Vanguard fund owns the actual individual right. stocks. Same thing. Right. And so when you own an individual note, you can't add money to that note. You, uh, when the borrower wants to pay you off, you have to accept it. So and you can't reinvest distribution, and you can't reinvest distributions. So with a mortgage pool fund, you can be a growth investor or an income investor, meaning you can take the monthly income uh, at Pacific Private Money Fund. We distribute monthly, uh, or if you are a growth investor, let's say you're investing through your IRA, and you're not taking distributions yet, then you can be a growth investor, meaning your distribution each month will buy additional shares, and that gives you an additional compounded yield. So our growth investors. Uh, generally earn you know between twenty five and forty basis points depending on how the uh, uh, the uh, the calculations on the compounding work out. Uh, another benefit is that you can add money 
and you can also take some money out. You can redeem. And so we, we process redemption requests on a regular basis for those who've had their money in for uh, one year or longer, and there's no fee in that. So there's no load going in, no load going out. Uh, and uh, one of the other nice things about our particular fund, that Pacific Private Money Fund, is our, the weighted average loan-to-value of the portfolio of notes uh, in the fund, which is nearly $30 million today, is under 60%. That's so, that's really So it's designed to be conservative. We don't use leverage to boost the yield. The 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 rates we're paying out which is about 7 and 3 quarters right now. That is a pure yield. That's what you get. That's what you receive. That's net of all fees paid to the manager for managing the fund and and to the loan agents for originating. Uh, that's a pure yield to you, unleveraged, 60% weighted average loan to value. Again, for more information, you really need to investigate mortgage investing and mortgage fund investing. Go to our website. We've got a lot of information on there. We're adding information all the time. We're about to add a new Best of Investing radio show page to update our existing Best of Investing page, and that should go live in the next few weeks. But go to PacificPrivateMoney.com. That's PacificPrivateMoney.com for more information. And we don't have uh, time enough to do a deal of the week, but uh, that's okay. But if you call uh, Pacific Private Money at 415-883-2150, they'll give you examples of the kinds of loans that they can provide and why people go and borrow from them and how you can earn a decent rate of return on your savings. If you keep listening to this show, you'll hear many, many examples of why would someone come to a company, an alternative finance lender like Pacific Private Money, for a loan, and there's a ton of reasons, and they're really good reasons. And in the meantime, again, call 415-883-2150, and the staff can help you, and they'll explain why. All right, here's our thoughts for the day. Texas A&M coach Shelby Metcalf on a player who had a report card of four Fs and a D. He said, son, it looks like you're spending too much time on one subject. <laughs> and Rocky Graziano said, I quit school in the sixth grade because of pneumonia. Not because I had it, but because I couldn't spell it. All right. (laughs) And on that note, tune in next week to The Best of Investing, because we're going to be giving away more free prizes for answering trivia questions. Thanks for listening. On behalf of our team, I'm Edward Brown, wishing you the best of investing. So long. You've been listening to The Best of Investing with Edward Brown. For more information on this program, call 888-912-1190. That's 888-912-1190 or visit bestofinvesting.com. And join us again next week for the best of investing on the Bay Area's business leader, AM 1220 KDLW. This radio broadcast is in no way an offer to sell securities except where applicable in states where we are registered or where an exemption or exclusion from such registration exists. Information discussed during this broadcast, whether stock quotes, charts, articles, or any other statement or statements regarding market or other financial information is obtained from sources which... Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.